God. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your presence. We come because you are here. You would send for two and three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. And Lord, we welcome you this morning. We invite you, Lord, that this is your service, that you would reign and rule and take complete control. Lord God, we're so grateful for the blessings of this day. We don't even know all the blessings that are represented in this room. You have done great things for your people. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You've provided for us. You've taken care of us. You've helped us, oh God. And we're thankful this morning. Lord, this is the week we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. But every day we give thanks for the things that you do for your people. And this morning especially, Lord God, we pray for an anointing. We pray for an anointing on Sister Olivia. Lord God, that you would bless her as she brings the word of God. And Lord God, I pray that you would just allow that anointing to be so heavy that it will just bless the people, that they will hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Because Lord, she didn't come for us to hear what she's saying. She came that the Holy Spirit might use her to let us hear what the Spirit of the living God is saying. And Lord God, we pray for an anointing on our pastor today. Lord God, thank you for sending her to us. Lord God, I thank you for using her life. And I know it's not always easy. A lot of pastors have just given it up, but she's taking it up. And Lord God, I thank you that this morning she will be installed officially as our pastor. Lord God, I pray for your anointing to be on her and on this congregation, that we might serve you, that you would be first and foremost in all of our decisions, all of the things that we do with one another. Let us remember these are children of the Most High God. Let us treat one another with respect and love. Lord God, forgive us of all of our sins. We know you took them on Calvary. And this morning we can come because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Lifting up our voice to you, said, come boldly to the throne of grace. I ask you to bless this whole time in the name of Jesus. Amen and thank God. Amen. You can be seated. What a joy and privilege it is to be with you. Is my microphone on? Is it on? Can you hear me? Yes. Perfect. It's so good to be with all of you. My name is Olivia Metcalf and I'm the district superintendent and it is my privilege to officially install your pastor, who has already been your pastor before today. <laughs> but we do this as a reminder of the sacred relationship of a pastor with church people, and a pastor and church with a community that needs to know Jesus Christ. And so today is a special day. And like any special day, we want to come to the scriptures, but the scripture I'm going to take you to is a little awkward to begin with. So are you ready for just a little touch of awkward? My son, Ethan, is with me, and I saw him squint his eyes because he's heard this sermon before, and he doesn't like the topic of the day. Because we're going to talk a little bit about feet. And everybody just finds feet to be particularly comfortable. It is thankfully now that time of year where we mostly keep our feet covered. Because during the summer, there are some people's feet you don't want to have uncovered. And do you have anyone you know like this, right? Maybe it's you. Feet can make us very self-conscious, can't they? Sometimes there's something that happens to our foot. Some of us have a family member or maybe ourselves that has that one toenail that got busted a long time ago and it just looks a little weird and uncomfortable. And for whatever reason, we don't really like feet. They can be ticklish. Our feet will tell us if we're tired, won't they? 
Sometimes they let us know that we've been doing too much before we actually recognize it ourselves because they're sore and worn out. Today, as we come to feed, it's not about any of that. Because Jesus does something in particular with feet that I think is important for us on this day of your pastor's installation. We're going to be together in John chapter 13. So if you want to open your Bibles, that's where we're going to be reading in just a moment. But I want to give you a little bit of context and background in case you didn't know what's going on in John chapter 13. For in Jesus' day, the washing of one another's feet would have been normal and expected. It wasn't something that happened on special occasions. It wasn't an uncomfortable thing. Because when you wore sandals everywhere you went, when you walked everywhere you went, when the roads were dusty everywhere you went, your feet would get dirty. The way people came to the table in Jesus' day to have a meal together is different than the way you're going to have a meal together in the fellowship area after service. So if you've been walking everywhere in sandals with dusty feet, when you come to the table and you don't sit in a chair like you and I sit, but you recline, which is what they would have done, your feet would have been close to the food. And your feet would have been dirty. So what would you do in a culture like that? You would wash feet. Then feet wouldn't be under the table. They would be right next to the table. And so as you came in, as a sign of hospitality, as a sign of kindness, to clean your feet, but also to demonstrate welcome into your home, welcome to the table. Everyone's feet would have been washed. Hospitality was an important part of Jesus' culture, even more so than ours by far. Welcoming people into your home would have been so important. And so this basic thing, the taking of feet in hands and washing in a basin, would have been something everyone would have expected. It demonstrated your desire for your guests and your family members to be clean and comfortable and welcomed. Foot washing was just what you did in Jesus' day. And when we meet Jesus today, he has just finished declaring in the verses before the ones we're about to read that he has come to save the world and not to judge the world. And he has invited all who will listen to turn their lives around and follow him. And directly after the passage I'm about to read to you, he will go back to speaking and teaching with words. But what we need to pay attention to in John chapter 13, in these verses, in this section of scripture, is that although Jesus does speak, it is his actions that teach us. And often the best teaching that we can receive is through the experience of what someone shows us, isn't it? Jesus uses his words, but his life to teach us. He uses his words and his actions to teach us. He uses teaching, and then he goes to the cross to teach us. So let's pay attention together to what Jesus is teaching us on this day of installation from John chapter 13, verses 1 through 15. I know we've stood a lot already this morning, but I'm going to invite you to stand in honor of God's word this morning. John chapter 13. Before the festival of Passover, Jesus knew that his time had come to leave this world and to go to the Father. 
Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them fully. Jesus and his disciples were sharing the evening meal. The devil had already provoked Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew the Father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the table, took off his robes, picking up a linen towel, he tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he was wearing. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand later. No, Peter said, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't have a place with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus responded, those who have bathed need only to have their feet washed because they're completely clean. You disciples are clean, but not every one of you. He knew who would betray him. And that's why he said, not every one of you is clean. After he washed the disciples' feet, he put on his robes and returned to his place at the table. And he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you speak correctly because I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too must wash each other's feet. I have given you an example, just as I have done. You also must do. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Did you hear that verse early on about love? Having loved his own who were in the world, Jesus loved them fully, it says. This is profound and deep love for his companions. He's moved by their connection, and he knows what is coming, that his death is right around the corner, and it is in that love that he washes their feet. What a beautiful gift to know. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, deeply loved his disciples. Now this is not a fluffy kind of love, but it's a deep and rich love. It's a sacrificial love that leads someone to be a heart like a servant. It's true love for us to see. Now in our world, there are all kinds of ways that we talk about love, aren't there? We try to figure out how to experience love for ourselves. We want to be loved. Sometimes we have experienced loving someone else and not being loved back. Sometimes we throw the word love around flippantly, like I often do when I say I love tacos. We love. We want to be loved. We've experienced a lack of love. When love is right, it looks like this passage of scripture that I just read for you. Jesus, overwhelmed by the love he had for his friends, humbly served them. But it isn't just love that led Jesus to engage in this kind of humility. Verse 3 tells us that something else was at work as well. With all power and all authority in his hands. Wait, what? I can understand Jesus washing his disciples' feet out of love. 
I always want to serve out of love. I want you to serve out of love. But when I read this passage of scripture, I do ask myself, what do power and authority have to do with this? Why is that here in this passage of scripture? And although I think love is what we need to experience from God, and it's what the world needs to see in and through us, I think today what I want us to focus on is this power and authority. Because in all reality, I think it's the key to the foot washing ceremony that Jesus engages in. If you pay attention at all to who Jesus is, he often is subverting all of the things and the way that things are in the world. Some people have said that Jesus turns everything upside down. But I like to say that he turns everything right side up. The world and its patterns are broken and out of joint. They are upside down, like a ship that is capsized and is taking on water. This is what sin has done. It's turned everything that God made that was good upside down. And along comes Jesus. Jesus shows up, and he begins to turn everything right side up again. The way things were meant to be is what happens when Jesus shows up. And in our world, power and authority look very particular ways, don't they? We know this. Power often looks like coercion and oppression. Power looks like seeking to win over others and do whatever we can, not minding the consequences, not worrying about who gets crushed in the process. We see it playing out in our political systems all the time. We see how people who are seeking power to demonstrate that one race is better than another race, are broken and upside down. No, this is not true. Can I say to you today, church, that white nationalism is wrong? We know this, don't we? We are meant to be people who celebrate the diversity that God has given, but power in our world seeks to turn that upside down and say some are more important than others. But Jesus comes along. And we all matter in God's kingdom. And those who are hurting are meant to be lifted up. And those with power are brought low, as we will hear in the scriptures this coming Advent season. Power and authority in our world is upside down. It even happens in the church sometimes. It's not your church, I'm sure. Right? Never. Never gossiping or backbiting, never pushing others aside, never thinking that what I want is more important than what the person sitting next to me wants. Never here, but in that church down the road, for sure. We know, don't we? We have experienced ourselves how power and authority can get out of control and be destructive. But this is not how it is in the kingdom of God. Because Jesus turns what's upside down, our sinful, misuse, and abuse of power, right side up. That's right. With all authority and power in his hands, Jesus bent down and took those dirty feet of the disciples. Now this is unbelievable, really. This is different than anything we would have ever expected. It's not how we have seen power, and it's not how the disciples have seen it either. They don't really like it. Peter especially is always quick to speak. Like, no, 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 this isn't how it should be. You won't wash my feet. No, Lord, never. But Jesus tells him, and he must. This is true power. This is true authority. This is what leadership looks like in the kingdom of God. Each 
foot Jesus takes, carefully and lovingly, and washes it with all power and authority in his hands. In love, modeling true power and authority, Jesus shows us, all of us, and then he tells us to do the same. How many in this room have been a part of a foot washing ceremony before? Very many? It is a humbling experience, isn't it? It's not the most comfortable thing to be a part of. If you ever have the opportunity, I would encourage you to participate in one because it teaches us something about who God is. Every time I've been a part of one, it leads to tears of some sort. Somebody cries because it is so humbling to experience. And sometimes it's very embarrassing and uncomfortable, but we do this because Christ has asked us to do this for one another, to experience those emotions because they remind us of what the kingdom of God is like. This morning, I want to tell you about two different foot washing ceremonies that I've been a part of. The first one I want to tell you about happened in Lodwar, Kenya, long way away, in a very small town with people who were struggling to survive. I had the privilege of taking university students to Lodwar, and we had been working with high school students there in that community that were drawn from a variety of different schools to come and to talk about what they believed were the greatest needs in their community, and not to ask someone else to help solve them, but for them to say, what can we do to solve this? Because the beauty is they had skills and abilities and talents and resources to make a difference. And we got to walk with them as they were developing these plans of how to lift their own community up. At the end of this week together with these college students and these high school students, we've gotten to know each other really well. We had celebrated all of the amazing ideas and creativity that they had. And we ended with a foot washing ceremony. And the way that we did it was that the students from the United States washed the feet of these high school students to demonstrate that we loved them, that we wanted to set aside everything that we had to honor and uplift them. We carefully took their feet in our hands, many of them wounded because they didn't have shoes, many of them with sores, dried and cracked, and we washed them. And the students, I just wept as I watched my students watch Wash those students, rub Vaseline on their feet. And the students having their feet washed, they covered their faces, they cried. And then the expectation wasn't for them to wash our feet in return, but that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to wash our feet too. And together in that space, it was a holy moment. It's the kind of foot washing ceremony I always want to have. I want them all to feel like it felt in Lodwar King where we experience the Holy Spirit taking the things that were broken and turning them right side up again, drawing us together to be the family of God, humbling ourselves, seeing what true power and authority was like. Oh, it was perfect. But that's not the only foot-washing ceremony I want to tell you about. The second one I want to tell you about happened in a church that my husband and I pastored together. And we didn't make anybody wash feet, because I don't think that's probably the heart of a foot-washing ceremony. But we were teaching our people about different expressions of what it means to be the family of God. And so we had set up around our sanctuary foot-washing stations. And I was leading the music in those days, along with preaching alongside my husband. So I was up there strumming my guitar while they were getting ready to wash feet. 
Right before that had happened, we modeled for our congregation. My husband washed my feet and I washed his. And then we just said, while we're singing, while the music is playing, if you want to wash feet, come and do this. So there I stood, right about here, strumming my guitar. I'm a good multitasker, so I could sing and I could watch. And I was watching as people did this. And then I saw my husband, who many of you have heard preach, Dustin. I saw him, and I was watching him, you know, playing. And I saw him go to the back of our sanctuary. And I thought, no, 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 no. He's not going to do that. And I saw him go to this particular man. It was not a good plan in my mind for him to go to that particular man. Because as was prayed this morning, being a pastor can be a hard thing. And this particular man had been particularly hard on us. Causing difficulties for our ministry. Accusing us of all sorts of things. Saying that we were not even worthy to be pastors. And I began to question myself. Is this really what the Lord wants? That particular man had been particularly cruel to us. And there I was, strumming my guitar, and I watched my husband go. I couldn't hear what they were saying, but I thought, no, he's not going to wash his feet. Certainly not his feet. And sure enough, up they walked from the back into the front, and Dustin knelt and washed that man's feet. And I thought in my mind, pastor, right? Oops. <laughs> playing, playing a good song probably about Jesus' love, not his feet. Not his feet. He doesn't deserve it. Don't you dare do that, Dustin. But he did. He knelt and he washed his feet. Now I'd like to tell you that the end of that story is that there's a beautiful reconciliation that took place and that that, that man then knelt and washed Dustin's feet and all was good and perfect and our relationship was healed. Praise the Lord, but I can't tell you. <laughs> it changed nothing of how he treated us. Nothing at all. Now I never want to wash feet like that. <laughs> But just like that first experience was exactly what foot washing was supposed to be about, so is that second experience. I could tell that while was, that was happening with Dustin, that something good happened, and that that was why this was a good one, because there was a, a set of sister-in-laws that over here on the other side of the sanctuary from where Dustin was were washing each other's feet and reconciling, and so that's why it was the right one, but nope. It's because of what Dustin did, and it's even because the relationship didn't change, that it's still the right kind of foot washing. Because that's what Jesus did. Right? Did he skip Judas's feet? Nope. He did not. He washed every single one of the disciples' feet. Early, when I read this to you, right away before it's even happened, Jesus already knew, the scripture tells us, that Judas was going to betray him. He already knew. And he still knelt and washed his feet. With all power and authority in his hands, in love, Jesus did not skip over Judas. He washed all of their feet. The question for us today, 
On this day of your pastor's installation is what will we do with our hands? For we all have some sort of power and authority in our hands. From the youngest person in this place to the oldest person in this place. Whether you think you have power and authority or not, we all have it. We all have power to hurt or to heal. Power to give or to take. Power to serve or to be served. Power to forgive or to nurse a grudge. Power to be humble or to lord it over others. We all have power and authority of some sort in our hands. So what will we do with what we have? Now, it's not the custom for us to wash each other's feet, so don't worry. I'm not going to like make us do that this morning. But what will we do? To live in this way together. Since it's not our custom, how will we choose each and every day to follow Jesus' example? For the heart of this message is about doing what is unexpected, because Jesus shouldn't have been washing. A servant or a child or the, the most unworthy one was the one that would have washed, not the Son of God, the one who had come to save, the one who had been with God in the beginning. No, Jesus shouldn't have done it. He does what's unexpected. He does what's beneath him, and that's what needs to be true for us. What will we do that's unexpected or what someone might say is beneath us? The heart of our Christian witness is that we don't just wash the clean feet or the easy feet, the feet of those we want to serve, but we wash them all. So if there's trouble in a relationship here, well, what are you going to do with the power and authority that you have in your hands? In love, as you serve one another and be like Jesus. In the world around us, it's not just a message for the church. It's how we treat our neighbors, those that don't know Christ. With all power and authority in our hands in love, how will we serve them? How will we humble ourselves to them so that they can come to know who Jesus Christ is? We are called to wash everyone's feet. The wonderful ones like I experienced in Lodwar, Kenya, and the painful ones like I experienced my husband do in the church that we pastored where we had been hurt. Everyone deserves this kind of love and care from disciples of Jesus Christ. Pastor Janae, to your congregation, take a posture of foot washing. You have power and authority in your hands in this blessed role as a pastor. Receive it, not to lord it over anyone, but to humbly serve. That's true power, bending down to wash feet. To those of you who are on the church board, this is true of your ministry. As you continue to serve, as you work with Pastor Janae, do not hang on to the old ways, but in humility, let go of the old ways and bend down and serve one another for Christ. To this entire congregation, you have power and authority. Take a posture of washing your pastor's feet and her family's feet and washing one another's feet. Really serving, really caring, really loving. Can I tell you today that Austin, as the pastor's husband, does not need your scrutiny or your unrealistic expectations or stories of how it used to be what he needs in this role is for you to humbly care for him. And as he lives and serves among you, you will all be blessed together. This is true for their children as well. 
honor and love and serve their children no matter what. Don't put undue expectations on them. I grew up in a pastor's home. I know what it's like. My children, he's growing up right now in a pastor's home. It's hard. Don't make it harder. Honor your pastor's family by taking a posture of foot washing. And make sure that all of you together take that posture in the world around you. Can you imagine what would happen if that's the way that we lived? Kneeling down to serve in unexpected ways, in with power and authority and love to those that never would imagine that we as followers of Jesus Christ would do that for them and think of how that will show the love of Jesus to the world. I want you to be a foot-washing church. I want you to be people with power and authority who make the decision to humble yourselves like Christ humbled himself and honor one another in the way that he honored his disciples, demonstrating to the world what true power and authority looks like. Today in this, the Christian calendar, which is actually, this is the last Sunday of the Christian year. So next Sunday is Happy New Year to us, even though it's not, you know, January. But this is Christ the King Sunday, is what's been celebrated on down through the ages. This is our king, right? Different than any other king. Our king shows us what true power and authority looks like. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much that you love us, that you humbled yourself for us, that you gave everything so that we could have life. On this special day, I do pray that you would be at work in every relationship in this congregation, that all of us, as followers of yours, would humble ourselves and wash one another's feet. Help us to live in that way, having that posture, so that this place will be known for its love. And as each person that is loved in this congregation goes out into the world, empower them by your Holy Spirit to love their neighbors and even to love their enemies. We thank you that we don't do this alone, but it is by your grace. So enable each of us to be who you call us to be. Help this day to be the start of a new chapter of deeper loving, deeper caring, deeper kindness to one another and to the world. For your sake, Jesus, for you are our king, and we submit ourselves to you. We pray these things in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. At this time, I'm going to invite Pastor Janae and her family to come, and they're going to stand here. And if you're on the church board, if you would just come here, raise your hand if you didn't get one of these, and we'll try to make sure that you have one of these little pamphlets, because we're now going to do the official covenants of installation. What I want to remind you all of is you have not hired Pastor Janae for a job. You have in some ways, of course. But this is a covenant commitment that we make together before God. It's much more than employment. And so we want to make some statements to one another. And so you'll see the parts where you're meant to read, and we'll just go through this, this together. Other than the family... One of the closest relationships we have is people with their pastor. Our Lord pictures this relationship with the utmost warmth and meaning in the imagery of a shepherd and their sheep. Today, 
Recognizing the significance of this relationship, congregation, what covenant do you make with your new pastor? Let's read together. Before God, we make this covenant with you, our leader and shepherd. As you assume a new role of leadership in our church as the lead pastor, we promise to partner with you. We will pray and celebrate with you, sorrow and laugh with you, dream and achieve with you. To the church board, as Pastor Janae begins her leadership among you, what covenant do you make to your pastor? Pastor, we want you to lead us and pray. We want you to lead us in the study of the word. We want you to lead us in discovering God's will. And we want you to equip us minister alongside you. We want to discover with you the vision God has for our church. We promise to partner with you to live out the core values of our denomination, Christian holiness and missional. This is how we are to make Christ-like disciples in the nations. We to seek God's direction with you, seeking unity so that in all things we can say, as the early church did, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Pastor Janae, what covenant and commitments do you make with your congregation? I will establish my ministry upon the Bible as the word of God. I will be a person of prayer. I will be honest with the use of my time, working diligently to fulfill my role as pastor and shepherd. I will guard my time with my family, knowing that the call of pastor is not meant to be at their expense. I will handle responsibly all confidences shared with me. My desire is for each of us to use our gifts and passions for Christ and his church. I will seek to use my gifts in developing, equipping, and empowering you, my people, for the work of God, for the work of ministry both in the church and also to our community. I will strive to remain receptive to suggestions intended to strengthen our ministry together. I will undertake the necessary discipline to stay mentally, spiritually, and physically fit. I will guard my integrity through faithfulness and stewardship, honesty, and purity of character. I will lead with intentionality and discernment. The congregation, what commitments do you make with Austin and their children? among us by his grace. It will be our goal to serve in unity, 
with you and extend the bond of peace to one another as we grow in Christ-likeness. And congregation, what do you say back to them? We accept you and we accept your love. Teach us from God's word. We need that. Pray for us and our needs. We need that. And we commit to pray for you. Together, may our prayer be, We are no longer our own but yours, Lord. Put us to what you will. Rank us with whom you will. Put us to doing. Put us to suffering. Let us be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let us be full. Let us be empty. Let us have all things. Let us have nothing. We freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are ours and we are yours. So be it. And the covenant which we have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. And everyone says, Today we commit ourselves to Jesus and the work of his kingdom in this church and in community. Amen. I have just a couple of small gifts. A little card. So this is a towel and basin picture for your pastor. And I'm hoping she'll put it in her office where she can see it and where you can see it when you walk into that space as a reminder that this is the posture we want to take. This is what Jesus has shown us by his actions of how we are to live. And so that's just a reminder of this special day. Um, you'll be receiving via email a gift card, it's mentioned in, in there, to a place called Loaded. And I apologize in advance for how unhealthy it is, especially after we just read about how to take care of yourself. But it's a whole experience. And so something for you to do as a family, um, to go out to eat together. But can we greet them and thank them once again for coming to be your pastor? And we have a song, so come and let's sing together as we continue to celebrate all that God is doing.